Kim and Debbie are traveling this weekend, so you, you have me by myself. Uh, and then, while I'm thinking about it, next week we will be gone, but Kent will be here. And, and I don't know if other people are traveling for Thanksgiving, or, but Kent will be here. And uh, I had left the Thanksgiving Sunday off of the schedule that I made, so there's, there's nothing assigned. Um, this week on the schedule there was actually three shorter sermons. We're not going to get to three. Uh, we'll get to Acts 21, which is the sort of prelude to this, and then uh, hopefully to Acts 22, and then Kent may pick up next week with uh, 23, and perhaps even after that. So, big part of these two chapters is, of course, Paul's address uh, standing on the steps of the barracks, uh, or as, as this translation calls it, the Roman, sometimes called praetorium, but the Roman uh, fortress there near the temple, in fact, sort of up the hill, so you could stand uh, at the barracks and look down on the, on the temple. But before we get to Acts 22, uh, we'll step back to Acts 21 and would like comments. I find this sort of a bit curious, but uh, see what we think. Um, so Acts 21. Paul traveling, gets to the area, gets to Caesarea, and some of the other Tyre, I think, is mentioned, and other, so he's meeting with believers, meeting with Christians in these areas, and then makes his way to Jerusalem, and uh, meets with James and the elders, it says. So, they are certainly there, the, the church in Jerusalem. And uh, in chapter 21, starting back with about, oh, let's say verse 17 is the beginning of that paragraph. Uh, when he had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. You know, this is one of the sections that's all first person plural. So, Luke is tagging along here and received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, so this is now the, the speech in 
verse 21 of chapter 21 that we're doing, Jackie? Uh, yeah, but it doesn't sound like what you just read. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I thought they, I've looked at this twice now. They have been informed that he will teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses. That's into the speech, yeah. I was okay. reading, I had started at verse 17. Oh, well, okay, that yeah. makes sense then. I was lost, completely lost. Okay. okay. Okay, so now James and the elders to Paul. Verse 21. You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. He has a proposal. Do therefore what we tell you. I don't know how many other times people have told Paul, do what we tell you. <laughs> we have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment, so he reminds them of what had happened here in Acts a few chapters before, that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. So. James is proposing that Paul demonstrate in a very tangible way to, to the uh, Jews in the city of Jerusalem that he is compliant, that he complies with the Mosaic law, with the, with the uh, parts of, of ritual, and including this complicated, I, I did a bunch of reading and I don't think I understand very much more than I did before. People disagree on what exactly was going on with this vow. How many days, if this was the seventh day of a seven day purification and that they were going to the temple to shave their heads and finish what was going on. But anyhow, this would be quite uh, apparent to those that were there, to all of the Jews in the temple, that Paul was in this group with these four other 
Jewish men, they were going through this purification. Uh, what, one person that I read wrote, James is, is saying, in essence, we think it's clear that Paul does not think Gentiles have to become Jews in order to be Christians. But we may need to show that Paul doesn't think Jews need to become Gentiles in order to become Christians. So think about that for a moment, that, that they were accusing him of teaching diaspora Jews throughout the Roman world, that they needed to stop being compliant with Mosaic law in order to become Christians. Wasn't that based on Asian things? I mean, it sounds like the same one thing. And, and in some ways, in the Corinthians, he is. He's saying, I become a Jew to the Jews, and I become a Gentile to the Gentiles, if, if that will help me to teach them of Jesus. Um, I, and I think we know the answer to this if you've read chapter 22. But do you think this is a good idea for Paul to jump in with these other four Jewish Christians and go through this uh, rite of uh, this vow of purification? But it clearly didn't work. But it clearly. And, and the reason it didn't work, well, the one that's stated here in, in parts that I won't take time to read, who shows up? Some men of Israel. You mean of Israel, the Jews? Some Jews, but where are they from? Ephesus. Yeah, they're from Asia Minor. So they've been chasing Paul. I mean, Paul is traveling. He's he. Last week we talked about his stop in uh, Miletus and meeting with the Ephesian elders, so that he didn't have to go into Ephesus. And, but these guys knew knew where he was, where he was going, and they're following. And they show up uh, in the temple accuse him of bringing one of the one of the Gentile Christians who was traveling with him they accuse him of bringing him into the temple and desecrating the temple with a, with a Gentile 
So, James thinks this will demonstrate to the Jews that he is compliant. He's not telling the Jews, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be compliant with the law. turns into a, a riot, I would guess. Um, the, the Jews grab <coughs> Paul. Um, they're, they're ready to stone him or do away with him. Quite a hubbub here in the end of chapter 21. He gets rescued by the Roman soldiers. Um, Yet again, in Luke's writing, in Acts, the Romans look pretty good. They're, they are helpful. They rescue Paul. They, they listen to Paul. And part of it is when, when they grab him up and uh, thinking that he might be the troublemaker, he starts speaking to them apparently in really nice Greek and they're a bit surprised. He says, what, you're, oh, you're not the Egyptian rabble-rouser. No, 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 no. I tells them that, that he was a uh, citizen of uh, Tarsus. Good city in Cilicia, a good Roman city. So then he asks them permission to speak. It's interesting in this translation, ESV, in the last verse of chapter 21, it says in the Hebrew language, and then in the second verse of chapter 22, it says that Paul addresses them in the Hebrew language. Jackie, what does NIV say? 22, verse 22. The last verse of 21, chapter 21. Um, having received the commander's permission, is that the one you want? Mm -hmm. Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic. Yeah. So the, it's a word that's like, it says in the Hebrew dialect or something, which most people understand that to be the day-to-day -day language that the Jews would have used at that time, which was Aramaic. And probably not the formal Hebrew in which the Old Testament was written. He would have. So he communicated well with the soldiers in Greek. He turns around 
and addresses the crowd in their Paul's and their uh, daily language, Aramaic. Gets their attention. Uh, and the beginning of chapter 22 says they became even more quiet. So uh, we have here, uh, we'll talk about in a few minutes, a second recounting in Acts <coughs> of what I'm calling the prophetic call of Paul can also be called the conversion of Paul on the, the road to Damascus. So starting with verse 3, Paul says to the crowd, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone 
of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And that's where Luke ends this account of Paul's speech. I think it's interesting to read a couple more verses. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And guess what was the word? silence him, but to kill him. Away with such a fellow from the earth. Not, not get this fellow out of the temple area, but uh, actually get, get rid of him. Leland? Yes? I guess I've never thought about this before, but I think it's interesting that of the law and highly respected. Uh, I guess I just never thought that, well, wonder why God would send a Jew to him right. who obviously was following the Jewish law to tell him to arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. You know, it's just, I don't know if that's just a little bit of humor in here, or if that is... <coughs> well, I, I, I mean, I think 
part of this is Paul's defense of what he's doing. I mean, he's saying, what I'm doing came from God, came, came directly from, uh, from God. And it is confirmed by the fact that when I was sent to Damascus, you know, I guess I'm supposing that they know this name. I mean, they know, like, you know, I was taught by Gamaliel, and people are going, yeah, yeah, you know, we know who that is. And then he says, you know, I was sent blind to Ananias in Damascus, and the way he describes him, it, it may be somebody that many of them knew, uh, a reputable person. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he was a believer in Jesus the Messiah, but uh, he was, yeah, he was an observant Jew. A couple other things that just, as you said, are in, of interest to me. Um, in the previous chapter, James describes these people as zealous. This is a word coming up. Paul describes himself as zealous. Um, and the description here and back, uh, I don't know, chapter nine or chapter eight, where Paul is binding and delivering to prison both men and women. This is just sort of on the side, but I think it's interesting. At this period of time, women were not persecuted for their beliefs, for things they were doing. Apparently, in the very early church, women were important enough that Paul thought his persecution, he needed to arrest both men and women and haul them off to jail. section that starts with verse 17, I guess until I was studying for this lesson, I had forgotten about um, Paul talking about going into the temple and being in a trance and, and having more revelations directly. Uh, he says, I saw him, so I assume he's talking about Jesus. Um, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly. Um, 
interesting that the crowd doesn't seem to be too perplexed. <coughs> Trances and, and prophetic communications were talked about enough that that didn't get them fired up. Being told to go to the Gentiles did. Questions, comments, trying to think what. Uh, oh, until someone pointed this out to me, I guess I hadn't even thought about it. Paul's recounting here is about 20 years. It's, it's about 20 years earlier. So he's been running around the Roman world doing lots of preaching and things for for 20 years has has brought although Luke doesn't talk about it at all a very large contribution of money to help the poor in Jerusalem back to his home in that sense. Please if, interrupt me if, if you've got a, uh, a question. Otherwise, I could talk about the things I find interesting. Um, we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about Luke in writing and repeating the vision of Peter and the vision of Cornelius and you know, one of them gets repeated three times or summarized in here. Um, here, because it was not a sermon, we didn't look at Acts 9 uh, where the book of Acts recounts the events on the road to Damascus. Here it's put into a speech by Paul uh, to this audience of, of uh, Jews, sort of a, a rioting group. And then in Acts 26, in a couple of weeks or so, we'll see another recounting of the events when Paul makes his defense before King Agrippa. Obviously, in, in all three of these are lengthy. It's not just a verse or two. It's not just a, you know, a summary of, oh, I saw a light on the road to Damascus. But Paul goes through it. Um, and I guess my thought is Luke writes and structures so intentionally that he... And, and I guess it's my impression that they were usually limited a bit in paper, 
in, in how much they could write. So you had to organize and leave out things and include things in, on a plan in order to get it to fit uh, on your paper, papyrus, scrolls, whatever it was. Um, so Paul obviously, I mean Luke, obviously thinks this is important. This 